Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 12.30 p.m. That's right. It's an afternoon recording. It is 12.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 6th of October, 2022. This is episode 627 of Bitcoin, and I'm bringing you the beef. Texas Slim sits down for about an hour and a half uh, audio recording and interview with me <clears throat> and i just got finished editing out what are some were some serious internet interruptions i couldn't get uh, there's no way that i could find all of them but the the main ones i have edited but you'll you'll probably figure out where i had to take out like 10 minute chunks of of nothing but silence okay so I was lucky. I consider myself lucky to get this audio actually on this show because we were using Skype and when things get dicey, files get lost. So I'm thanking the good Lord that I was able to rescue all this audio because there's some some really good stuff in this interview. I always love talking to Slim. Um, He's one of the... He's actually the he's the only guy that I considered friends out of Canyon, Texas with because uh, he reached out to me on Twitter and he said, hey, I think I think we're real close to each other. You want to go get coffee? And sure enough, we were, you know, in the panhandle of Texas. We were both in Canyon at the time he was in Amarillo. <clears throat> now, of course, he's all over the world. He's international, baby. It's the international lifestyle. But we were able to get this audio down. It's about an hour and a half long. I don't, we don't really do a whole bunch of introducing each other at the head of this show. We really just drop right into it. So if you're not used to that style, welcome to the Bitcoin Hand Podcast. I kind of want to get your take on the White Oak Pastures uh, Beef Initiative Summit that went on cool. down there. Uh, can you, you let's see, I'm trying to think. Uh, I want to preface this this way because Will Harris, the third, that actually should always be said, um, he's, and I've told you this story before, but for somebody who's listening in to the first time, Will Harris kind of is the guy that drove me into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And in a, in a, in a, it's a very weird roundabout way because I was all into permaculture and, you know, starting to get into regenerative agriculture. And I hear this podcast. uh, I was listening to something called Permaculture Voices back in the day. This is like 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. And I heard this uh, podcast on Permaculture Voices and the guy was interviewing Will Harris III. And Will Harris tells, you know, tells us his story in a very, very deep and like one and a half hour, two hour long interview. and that 
rolled me into full-scale permaculture and I went down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And then I find a permaculture um, kind of podcast named uh, the Survival Podcast. Yeah. Um, and you were on that recently, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. we'll talk. maybe get a chance to talk about that here in a minute. But um, so after a while, Jack Spirico, the host of that podcast, just he would not leave it alone. He just was saying Bitcoin, 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 Bitcoin. And by this time, I've been slapped in the face with Bitcoin about three times. And usually it's three touch points that you want to take to be able or that you have to get to be able to roll into something full scale. So that's when I rolled into it full scale. September, September 2015 was my first Bitcoin purchase. And of Whoa. course I used, yeah, of course I used freaking Coinbase to do it, but I did, I did get it off in about six months. I started getting real nervous about stuff, mm-hmm. but will the point is, is that I was really surprised after me and you had been talking for a while that you ended up getting to talk to will harris yeah did now how how did you meet will harris did you already know about him or were you introduced to him did i tell you about him i, I can't remember how that no worked. uh actually i have a buddy in tennessee uh charles mayfield he does uh faro uh skincare products yeah and, now he was know, at the he, first beef initiative right yeah and then he was there and he spoke at uh georgia too so it's a great, it's a great story. So it was just, you know, it, it, it all just came together and, uh, we got on, he, he's been, he's known Will probably for a less than a decade, but he's uh-huh. known him and Will was always very, very welcoming. Charles went on a paleo route and he wrote a book, a cookbook, and he just went in and he just started diving in, you know, to regenerative ag you know, and he's in the, he's into hogs, he's into everything, but he's doing the skincare products out of his hog farm. And so, uh, Will's just always been a big mentor and, you know, I'd known Charles before I'd known any of you guys on Bitcoin. And, uh, he goes, Hey, let's, let's go talk to Will. And I said, hell yeah. I said, I want to have four conferences this year. And I said, I'm just going to freaking ask him. <laughs> so first time I met him, I asked him. And he, he, you know, there's a really? story there. Yeah. So it's, he's, he's totally accommodating. That's the yeah. thing about it. He, <clears throat> he wants, he wants people to reach out. He don't mind people reaching out. Nothing, man. It's like, this is just the beginning. I mean, he's, he, there's somebody we'll, we'll talk about on the podcast, but uh, there's somebody that's going to start interning because they went to that damn conference. No, on, on Will's uh, outfit. Mm-hmm. God, changing their lives, man. It's a great story. So, you know, the reason I did Will is because we did Kerrville, right? That was kind of an introduction when you get there. Then we go to Jason, first generational, right? And then Uh we end with Will. And it shows a roadmap, you know, throughout the year. But it also shows a roadmap of where people are, where people can go, where they can start, and where they can finish. That was my intention from day one. Okay. Did, uh, when you were out there, uh, what was the feel of his, his operation? Like looking at the land grass? I mean, did it, I have, I got a sneaky suspicion that you set foot on the place. And the first thing you feel is healthy. Is Mm -hmm. is that, is that peace and health? And I mean, you go out on that. We went, me and uh, Adam Curry and Will went out and spent half a day Monday following. Right. 
uh-huh. you know, all we did was we did a cattle move and all that. And once you're out there with the cattle and the land, you're in paradise, man. You can see that the eco structure that he's built. It was amazing. The amount of birds. I mean, you know, just everything It's freaking paradise. You spend one day out there with those cattle on that land, anywhere on that place, which is, you know, Bluffton, Georgia, there's no argument here. Right. People need to get it out of their freaking head. If you're in doubt about anything, go spend a day at Bluffton, Georgia, go on a cattle move. That's it. I mean, it's all right in front of you. You know how many thousands of birds of species that's all insects. Everything is just in balance. And I've yeah. never seen anything like it in my life. Now, Seriously. Here, here, here's a question. Did you notice how many flies were hanging around the cows? <laughs> there wasn't any. You know why? Yeah, because he, I mean, birds. of course. Yeah, because all the damn birds. I mean, <laughs> I've got some video. I've got some videos I'll put, I'll upload it on a drive, and I think you'll be able to see the birds and stuff like that. But right, it was and amazing. This- they're, they're all just working together. Everyone, all the insects, all the birds, all the cattle are just working together. Did it, he it mention- feels like, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't know, and you watch National Geographic or Mutual of Omaha growing up, you'd think you're out on the damn Serengeti in Africa. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Oak, Oak Savannah is the most productive landscape that you can have. Oak it's Savannah. Yeah, yeah. It's it, if you, if you, um, I, I don't particularly buy, you know, this about me and most of my listeners do, but I don't particularly buy into anthropomorphogenic carbon disaster climate bullshit however i i what i do understand is that carbon is really good in the soil and when you get oak savannas you sequester more carbon pulling it out of the atmosphere in the form of co2 producing sugars and throwing it into the soil and all of a sudden people that with completely different views of humans places on the planet and why we're here and what we can do start to overlap. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, I don't want to get too far to this, but you know, I stayed up a lot later last night than I damn well should have, because I ended up in a discussion face to face with a real life communist. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Eastern Washington and they exist out here. And the thing about it was, is that no matter if I'm talking to a vegan, a vegetarian, a communist, it doesn't matter. There's going to be places where the views overlap and you actually hold the same view. So like guys that we talk a lot about cattle and beef and none of us really like confined animal feeding operations. I'm not going to go and, and lambast somebody who has one because that's the way they make their money and their margins are raised with them. But a lot of those guys and Will Harris is included in that because Will Harris had a confined animal feeding operation. And one day he just turned them all loose. I mean, mm-hmm. well, kind of. Well, I mean, it yeah. wasn't like one day. For the but, most part, yeah. <laughs> but the, so vegans and carnivores, we overlap when we talk about animals should be treated humanely. And Will's done that. And he did that and he's done it for so long that I have to ask the question, did he take you out to the road cut that went through the middle of his property that Mm -hmm. the county forced him to build? Yeah, I saw the whole thing. I saw the map. I saw I've seen uh, different timestamps of the map of Bluffton. You know, he's bought extra land. He doesn't get this land. We saw the full tour. And that was what's really cool about it. 
everybody that came to the to the summit you know we did four tours throughout the three days that we were there and uh -huh. so i mean he that's what he loves to do i mean he just loves to freaking talk about his paradise that he's created i mean it, it's just a flow i mean you show up the general stores there we stayed in one of the nice cabins because you know we needed internet uh adam curry was there he had to record no agenda so we we had strategically set up but you know once you're on on white oak pastures once you're on the land once you're in the town you've taken a step back but you've also taken a step forward into the future because uh -huh. you can see where it came from you know you can see the the old church i mean he owns almost every building there in bluffton and uh -huh. he either redoes them there's only one i think building that they don't really that doesn't participate with white oak pastures but he uh -huh. just acquires he rebuilds people come in you go to school you intern you work whatever it's just a you know every all the bitcoiners talk about citadel man he's got it down and that's that's all you have to worry about you don't want to go anywhere else you got everything right there right I mean, we were we were outside we did it in a tent i mean you had kids playing you had you know you could hear the animals you could hear the 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 machinery in the morning for whatever they're doing everybody just flows and then once you get out with the land and the in the soil and just you know all of the above um i don't think a lot of people in the united states you and i've seen it you know especially being here in the panhandle you know it reminds me of a small town like happy let's say that right you know, it's just you know it's just that small little square that you have mm -hmm. and in in it's the same thing it's this old town of america that has actually shown the rest of the world that this can be done and right. uh you don't have a bunch of hustle and bustle. You don't have a bunch of industrial crap, but actually, you know, they're feeding everybody around them. You know, three meals a day there. You know, I had breakfast and lunch, dinner with him a couple of times. You know, we ate bacon for breakfast every day. You know, right. it's like 10 pieces of bacon. Well, you don't have to worry about anything and you know where the bacon's from. So, yep. It was well, just, see, it, it's like a vacation. It's like paradise. I don't know. It's hard to explain. You don't want to leave for one. Right and but you would want to just keep learning yeah you just want well, to keep I, learning i sure as shit really didn't want to leave the the beef and the first beef initiative that i went to i was mm -hmm. like sad i was i was actually kind of upset that day i was like went out to that <laughs> to that church on that bluff uh mm -hmm. and i was like i i go i don't want to be here because i just know that i gotta leave mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. it's a, it's the weirdest damn feeling that but I mentioned that road cut. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, but I just want to outline it for sure. somebody who's listening is that uh, the county forced Will to give over a strip of his land to run a county road through. And Will will be the first to tell you he doesn't know why they had to build the damn thing in the first place because it doesn't make no sense. But he was forced to do it. So when the road graders came through, they had to act, they have to level and they had to cut what's called a road cut they cut through his property and then they laid the road but when they cut through his property will went out there and for the first time he got a chance to see the soil horizon profile of his farm in yeah. the center of his farm and sure. that's when he realized that or at least that's my understanding is that's when it really the aha moment that the rotational grazing and looking at the animals as land tools and then food caused the topsoil building on his 
property to go in a direction that he never really thought it was going to go. He had built like almost a foot of soil in the 10 or however many years that he had been doing this. And, you know, that, you know, considering what people, how long it takes or how long people think it takes to build soil by the inch, they say it takes a thousand years and it's complete bullshit. It's complete crap. It's, it's such a deception and, and it's proof. I mean, that's once again, you know, starting curve, go to Jason end with will, here you go. Proof of work less than, Mm -hmm. you know, around two decades. Let's just throw it down there two decades. And you're right. It, you know, and you and I talked at one time and it was one of the first podcasts that you and I did. And you said, Hey, you know, I can't wait till all this land is just free land here in the panhandle because the soil is so destroyed. We can mm-hmm. rebuild that shit in five years. And oh hell you know, yeah. And people go, Oh, you can't bullshit. Yeah, you can, you know. Yeah. And you know, I always tell people, you know, this is a good thing for people to do. All right. I just drove back from Luling down there at the processing plant with coal, right? And right. we're cutting, we're open, we're flowing, we're getting, we're finally getting caught up because we <laughs> we took a hit from the transition. But one uh-huh. thing I did is, you know, people when they're driving in this in the united states and you'll see all this scorched earth and i saw a lot of barren so uh dirt basically plowed dirt is what it is by this point you know and it, it did i saw a lot of uh, failed cotton crops you know from the drought i saw a lot of crap oh. guess what was thriving the whole way from luling to the texas panhandle the bar Pastures. ditches the bar ditches Think oh yeah that. yeah yeah now you think about that and everybody says, oh, you can't grow grass here. You can't do this here. Well, everywhere you go, man, I, and I'm, I'm not talking interstate. I'm talking the back country roads, which I do right. most of the time and here in Texas, man, everything you want to talk about forage. You want to talk about multi species of grass and everything. Uh-huh. And people, people don't really focus on the ability of nature to res- freaking restore itself. Right. You know, and and you put you put land holes on that land like you're talking about. You can regrow that soil really fast. Yeah, and you know, and I was talking to you know the 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 communist guy last night about that, and and I can literally see the gears turning in his head that he's like, I I get the feeling that he's starting to rethink his position because when you, I I was trying to tell him I'm like. You're kind of a communist, not because you think you're a communist. You're a communist because the system is so destroyed that you see no other way out than total and complete control to get the system back in line. But that's yeah. what brought us here in the first damn place. Like yeah. if you would and then, you know, tell them like what I would do if I had a section of land and tell them about like building a silver silvo pasture with walnut trees. And he's like, you could do that. I'm like, I not only can could I can I do that? I can show you. I can point you to five different people right now that's already done it. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you shut up and listen for just a little bit, then you'd understand what the majority of cattlemen have already known for decades that their yeah. their animals serve a lot of different purposes. And one mm-hmm. is a land tool and the one of the, and the other one is food. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff in between. I listened to an interview with a guy that specifically uses his, his, uh, his cattle 
around here to graze off grass so that forest fires don't start. Mm -hmm. He uses them as fire breaks. You bet. And I had never thought that shit about that shit before ever. And he's like, he will drive 400 head and they will mow it all down. And it costs nothing but the transport cost for the cattle there and back. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it's it really is. I was talking to Peter Allen yesterday. Have you have you tuned in to Peter Allen of uh, Mastodon Farms there in uh, Wisconsin, down there in the no. Drift Valley, the River Valley? No, there? but I will now. <laughs> now <that laughs> you have that. to, man. What a fascinating story. He uh, he's on our Substack right now. Okay, but you know he's got some hilly land. He goes, hey, do you think you could market some goats? And I said, hell yeah, we could sell some gabrito. <laughs> so. But mm -hmm. his 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 point was, you know, going back to the land tools, he goes, yeah, I'll probably start off some land with, uh, I don't know if he's going to do it, but it was a conversation, you know. He goes, right. I'll probably start off with goats and probably maybe move into some land and then put cattle. And that's uh -huh. what you can do. Let's start with goats. Get them, you know, because they're they're the best they're, they're the best land tool in the beginning if this land needs to kind of get going. And then, right. you know, you've got different land tools that you can rebuild that soil with. You, there's always an answer is my point, you know, right. and that's what he was talking about. But, oh, Peter, he was uh, he, he basically his whole life, he was going to be a professor and he had got a job offer from the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened? He went to that river valley and he found soil. Boom. He never pursued being a professor ever again tenured everything he his life dream had come true and uh -huh. now he's been a regenerative uh, farmer and he's raising fowl goat or uh, sheep and cattle right there in that valley it's one of the oldest river valleys in the world you need to yeah. look it up and uh, uh oh yeah but, and he, he, it's a fascinating story that he has. And once again, another Will Harris is we've got, he got 10 years in now. Right. He's, he's a lot, he's a lot like Jason, you know, out there in Colorado. So, right. And, and it's happening. So these guys, these, whatever they want to label themselves as, I don't know what it is. It's idealistic bullshit. Yep. I don't, you know, in, in Georgia, I basically said, you know, you guys need to quit validating this deceptions. Every one of us does it. We've done it our whole lives now that we know that we are in the know of basically the deceptions that are in front of us and that are manipulated into our lives, our spirits, our, our education. It's like you, the individual, needs to stop validating deception. And whenever some jackass tries to come and argue the point about raising cattle, who mm -hmm. cattlemen really are, Mm -hmm. uh, what causes the and what has caused the basically the defunctionality of our our let's say just our, our animal protein production and distribution in the United mm -hmm. States it has nothing to do with the producer and whenever we start focusing on who is actually causing this and mostly like you say those communists you know who are they in bed with well they're in bed with the people like the wef and the imf they're they're all into this you know type of uh, mindset together well those are the ones that basically destroyed the soil those are the ones that have captured the american producer rancher the multinational corporations and so whenever they expose themselves of such ignorance i will mm -hmm. refuse to validate it any longer and that's my position moving forward and what we're trying to do is save the American rancher producer on a micro right. level 
that way we can scale it through a micro level instead of playing their game of this global bullshit. Everybody's like, uh-huh. well, we got to feed the world. It's not scalable, regenerative ag. Bullshit. You know, it was uh-huh. once and it is just because you don't understand because you're captured by institutional thought and I guess communist thought, you know, doesn't mean it's not possible. What's po- not possible is that you have a form of cognitive dissonance that you're refusing to let go of. Right. And and then once you can do that and you say, oh, yeah, we you say we need to feed the world. Well, we we might have fed the world or act like we fed the world. But you know what we did in the United States? We destroyed our land and we fed everybody else except us because now we're suffering from a nutritional starvation in the United States of America because the market access to that pure food that we started out with that everybody wanted across the world, we gave it away to the biggest, largest bidders across the world. So what we're doing with our animal protein, that's what we do with our produce, that's what we do with our most valuable asset, our soil. And that's what people don't understand. And they lose the argument. No, they they don't understand, and it gets even worse because mm-hmm. you you were talking about you know going from the Panhandle to Texas over to Tennessee on a drive and basically witnessing the largest food desert ever, mm-hmm. and you were on the back and you were on the back roads too, yeah. right? So that's not like you know you're not on the interstate, you're you're taking the back ways and you're looking at what most people don't see, and that mm-hmm. and I think you described it in a recent uh, interview I listened to that they got a Dollar General. And they got a convenience store in this little podunk town. And that's pretty much their nutritional depot. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then, so, and, and I, you know, shit, I lived in Texas for decades. You know, I was born there, was raised there. I didn't even really want to leave. I love Texas, but I got, you know, it's one of the, one of those things where if God's going to put me somewhere, I'm not going to really, I'm not really going to say no. You know, right. and I, I feel that I'm up here for a reason. And one of the things that I saw growing up in Texas uh, was the nutritional devastation being performed out of a grocery market, which most people would say, well, we have a United. We have a United supermarket. We're not a food desert. Yes, you are. Yeah, you you are. absolutely are. And yeah. it gets even worse. And it's like a United supermarket. Why it's a nutritional disaster is because the shit that they're feeding you is nutritionally bereft of any kind of life Mm -hmm. but now i'm up in eastern washington and it's a completely different story when it comes to food except that people around here are even more obese than texas Mm -hmm. if you can imagine serious i've i'm not lying i've been very i've been trying to be very aware ever since i moved up here a couple of months ago about what's going on with food and looking at the actual people So there's a really weird thing that's going on up here. I have access. I have direct market access in many different ways to some of the highest quality, most nutritionally dense food on this planet. Mm -hmm. And that's everywhere from like chicken, any any kind of game fowl, any kind of, you know, uh, poultry, any kind of hog, any kind of beef, lamb, goat. I can get anything I want. I can go to the produce aisle and I can pick up, I can buy all organic if I want to, but even if I don't, a lot of the stuff that's in the grocery stores up here actually is grown locally. If you go to the smaller grocery stores, like uh, I run over to Moscow every once in a while to Idaho, right you know, across the border mm-hmm. and go to their co-op and all that shit is local. And dude, I, I mean, it's mushrooms, you know, four different kinds of eggplant. 
and they're all grown local. There's like eight, you know, 800 different varieties of tomatoes, it seems like. And I go to the beef aisle and I'm talking to the butcher. I'm, I'm like, where does your beef come from? And he's like, well, it actually comes from uh, northern, northern Oregon. Sometimes we buy something from this uh, producer that's in Western Washington. And sometimes we get it, you know, a little bit closer to home. But honestly, he's like, we don't sell you meat that isn't grown in either Idaho, Washington, or Oregon. That's awesome. He knew, he knew exactly where the hell it came from. And then I look at the people shopping in the supermarket and look at people, you know, around town. And they're as fat as I've ever seen them. Children mm -hmm. as like as as fat as can be. So that's the thing that surprised me. I'm like, you have access to all this great food and you're still acting like you live in a food desert. And my question, why do you think that is? Oh, I know why it is. It's well, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> with everything that I've done. And I said that I say this with humility and without judgment. I always have to say that because we're not judging, we're observing. It's observational science is how we're living these days. Right. And we have to do it. And I'm, I'm bold enough to do it. And fuck your tolerance. You're trying to say I'm not tolerant. Well, that's been hijacked. So uh -huh. whenever I say these things, it's from a very, you know, first principle based of observational science what i've found out mostly because you're right i mean one thing that we're battling as far as in the regenerative you know clean food whatever you want to say right pure clean food nutritionally sound food down to the micro level what we are having to battle is multinational corporations places like rural dsm out of the netherlands and they're the science now I'll say it again, the science that they've put into basically hijacking and manipulating your taste buds is, is daunting yeah. how advanced it is and how they can basically within a split second have your neurons in your brain doing something that, that a lot of people do not quite understand why it's happening and how it's happening, of course. And mm -hmm. once again, I talked to Peter Allen with Mastodon and he was talking about, you know, it takes time to be able to re-engineer your taste buds from what we've been basically consuming because it's getting worse and worse. And, mm -hmm. you know, I wrote that piece of Harvest of Deception. I talk about the Gross Rule and the FDA. They won that lawsuit back in October of 2021, how they basically inject 2,000 new chemicals into the system this year, and they don't have to tell us what it is. Well, a lot of that is being driven by this quote unquote food science by multinational corporations that are basically performing this global industrial food shift. So if you want to look at it like that, what do we, why do people, everybody goes out, you, you see it over there in Amarillo, Texas, churchless out on a Sunday, every damn restaurants in town is just full and packed. And all you ever hear is like, oh, it tastes good. It tastes good. It tastes good. And so what we've done is we've psyoped a form of basically consumption model in our society. It has nothing to do, nothing to do except exact that moment of time, that instant rush that you get from this overly processed, overly engineered food that is designed to hijack your taste buds and make your freaking brain act different. And it's mm -hmm. just like basically a drug addiction. And that's why food is now mm -hmm. a drug. It's as simple as that. You can't look at it. You go through it. Okay, let's go. You're a 70 year old man, and and you know, let's say out here in the in the in the in the plains of uh, Canyon, Texas, out here. I mean, we've seen them growing up. We've seen you saw 
mom down in Odessa, Midland, growing up. This old man is getting now. More than one are coming to where seedings between five and eleven show up with fatty liver disease. The same yeah. livers that show up in seventy-year-old alcoholics are showing up in these kids. Okay, that's 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 metabolical destruction for one. But what that is that that's basically the the after effects of their consumption model is mirroring that of a drug. And so mm-hmm. food is now a drug and they control it from the taste bud to your minds, to your bodies, to where you're, you know, you're, you're addicted to that. If you quit eating for a day and you're one of these obese people, you'll go into a form of shock and a form of anxiety and a form of detox that mirrors that of an alcoholic. And that's what people don't want to admit. It's the shadow in which we live in as society right now. And there's no turning back from it because we have the medical, pharmaceutical and agriculture complex that basically works hand in hand on that hamster wheel of you know of fiat profits and so i just see that they've engineered food in a way to where this is a new phenomenon the people that you see they're obese who they don't give a shit that there's clean food you know they don't Mm -hmm. understand what clean food is the only thing they can remember the only thing they crave in their day is I, i need something to taste good to make me feel good that's it right Okay. See, and that, that would be a good answer for the question that I posed, because again, just to solidify it, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing massive amounts of the most high quality nutritionally dense food that I've ever seen before Mm -hmm. in my life. And still you've got a, a, a group of people that are living with general obesity, type two diabetes, and it wouldn't surprise me a bit if some of the f- uh, fat children that I've seen, and I know that's unpopular to say, but fuck it. I'm like, your kid's fat, dude. Mm-hmm. That Kids shouldn't be fat. I mean, uh, yeah. people shouldn't no. be fat anyway. Their, but lives I mean, are, like, their lives and spirits are being, being robbed. Bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it just, it, it amazes me. So getting off of that subject, I want to make sure that we talk about where you just were. You were down in central Texas for a while. Mm-hmm. Could you, what, what were you doing down there? What would you go down there for? Well, last year, whenever I started all this, you know, you and I met pretty fast, you know, because right. I said, you know, I spotted one of your posts. I said, Hey man, he's, he's up here in the panhandle. <laughs> so but about <laughs> that same time, you know, that's when I met Justin and you met Justin pretty quick after that, or you might've even known Justin before I did. I think nope, no, you, you've I, seen him or something like that. I had seen him over there at the farmer's market down there in Canton. Mm. Um, yeah. But I never got I never, I never thought about going up and talking to him, you know, I, yeah, yeah. And, and there was a couple of times, and this is important. There was a couple of times that I'm like, I should probably go ask him questions. And then the stupid part of my brain said, nah, he's probably too busy. And <laughs> I, I think we need to stop doing shit like that for oh, various gosh, reasons yeah. that, that yeah. we may get into. But anyway, so, uh, so you're so, down in Austin. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd met Justin, you know, about the same time, you know, right before I'd met you, but that same week I'd met Cole Bolton. Cause I, I went on down to Austin, you uh-huh. know, I'd announced the beef initiative, all that kind of stuff. Well, I met Cole pretty fast and it, it was a handshake and all that. Well, we hit it off big time. You know, he's a Texas cowboy. I come to Texas cowboy, all that kind of stuff. We just hit it off. And Cole wasn't doing, you know, he was doing everything he could at that point in time. Um, He was small, you know, he, he basically grew up commodity cowboy, but he switched over, you know, he was, he was, you know, educated with uh, Texas tech ag, you know, Texas A&M. He, you know, he's in that circle. 
but uh-huh. he went to regenerative ranching and and so we talked and talked but one of the first things he said he goes i'm going to open up a processing center mm-hmm. and that's what i want to do i've been working on it but nothing had been done really formally nothing like that it was more blueprints and stuff like that and i said well hey uh, i know justin he's up in the panhandle he's he's about to open up his too you know within about three four months so we just started really talking well I went down this last week and I spent a week down in Austin because we have we have now got the full vertical integration from the mm. soil all the way to everybody's fork. We don't have to ask for permission. And he's opened up his microprocessing center in the state of Texas. And it's not a microprocessing, it's pretty, it's a it's a good size. It's perfect. It's not mm-hmm. one of these big industrial factory farms, and it's not as small as Justin. Justin can do about 30 a week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're on a different scale here now, and what we've done is now we've got full-on vertical integration and market access to where we are now can be basically our own beef line. We know the mm-hmm. protocol. We know it from the soil to the grass, basically to the producer, to the processor, to supply and distribution to your fork. It's all the beef initiative. It's all K&C cattle. It's all hometown meats. Mm -hmm. And so by saying that, you know, I did a tour. We did a a podcast. I just released it yesterday, me and Cole. So we went and kind of did a recap of, you know, this past year and how we've both grown, how he's the number one supplier within the beef initiative how he'll always be that supplier now because we can control the volume. A lot mm-hmm. of people want to do all this, but they can't control the volume because they don't have that market access through that processing center. They can't right. get kill dates or their kill dates are off or whatever it is. We don't have to worry about that anymore. And mm-hmm. so going down to Luling, Texas is kind of like, okay, guys, here we are. This is day one. Let's get busy. And so what we're going to do here in uh, November, we're going to have a big old celebration. Uh, it's going to be called the Cattleman's Kill It and Grill It. And we're going to have a <laughs> processing plant tour. And we're going to have a branch tour of his partner, uh, Clyde, with Two Bar C Ranch, one of the prettiest ranchers I've ever seen down there in Luling. And then we're just going to have a big old freaking Cattleman's Feast. And we're going to blow it up and just say, hey, we're, we've arrived and now we can go on we want to feed texas you know we want to feed the region just like what you're talking about you know idaho oregon and washington that's what we want to do but right now before we get even we get more people coming into the beef initiative as far as producers and ranchers we can feed a nation right now and we're ready to open up the floodgates and we're set and we're here we did it we did it in in one year we did this now uh cole bolton's uh friend what was his name clyde clyde that's his partner in in, uh was Mm -hmm. it hometown meets hometown meets yeah and clyde is one of the best genetics guys in angus cattle in the united states very humble man very 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 i mean he knows everything there is i'm gonna go down there before i'm going to charlotte on the 21st for a hodlween and (laughs) uh what i'm gonna do is go spend a couple of days out there with clyde and we're gonna talk just genetics we're going to talk ranching cattle man stuff and how important it is and you know the sophistication behind it and you know how how you create these fantastic land tools basically that are the best forms of tools for the soil it's just it we're we're in a new chapter we're about to really get going here right yeah getting on on, staying on genetics for a little bit um sure uh, i I finally got 
uh, callback from what's called Bar R Ranch, or mm -hmm. also known as Bar R Wagyu, because they make the, he's the first guy that's made Wagyu beef available grown in the United States for United States consumption. And right. they finally got back in touch with me and apologized for, you know, for uh, not getting, you know, not answering my email. They had had some, some backend technology problems, but uh, his wife invited me out to come and, and say, yeah, if you want to come out in the morning on a weekend, hell yeah, Just, you know, really? we'll show you everything we do. So I'm looking at this guy's website. He has a book. It's, it's literally a book of the fathers and mothers and forefathers, all the forebears of all the cattle that he raises. He's got family trees that's of awesome. all. And it's like, and, but that's what he sells. That's his business. He sells beef. That's another part of his business. But I can mm -hmm. almost guarantee he makes probably 80% of his money on selling the genetics. Right. And I've never seen anything so densely packed as this guy's description of all these different bulls, all these mm -hmm. different female, you know, all the different cows. And, mm -hmm. and I'm looking at pictures of this guy's of, of the meat that this guy produces it. I can't wait. I, I can't wait to go out there and, and finally shake the first rancher's hand up here in Eastern Washington. Cause he's about 30 minutes away. That's he's so right cool. On, He's, he's right on the Columbia River. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm essentially in kind of the Columbian River Basin. It's one of the most fertile places From on the planet. In the United States. Yep. Yep. It, I did a big it, old stuff. I researched the shit out of that when I was looking at old Bill Gates because old Cascade's uh, got a couple of investments there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's unfortunate. He's, but, got you some know, we, he's got some acreage out there in the Columbia <laughs> River Valley. Yeah. yeah. Son of a bitch. But, you know, but it, it is what. It is what it is. We just got to, yeah. you know, work around. Well, it. you got to go out there and visit. You got to go shake these guys' hands. And I mean, and if they're willing to open that up and you want to get, that's where this is going. I mean, I want everybody, I want every Bitcoiner out there right now. And see, I, that's why I use certain words. You know, I said cattleman's feast, you know, mm -hmm. cattleman. Okay. Every Bitcoiner out there through the beef initiative and people like you, David, of course, is what we're going to do is we're going to turn every damn Bitcoiner into a cattleman, a modern mm -hmm. day cattleman. And we're going to start all the way from the genetics, all the way to the soil, all the way to the fork. And if we do that, there's, yeah. there's nothing we can't accomplish as far as, you know, ideas or whatever it is, you know, market access to education for one market mm -hmm. access to the people that want to feed us or market access into something that we can do and steward on our own. As far mm -hmm. as, you know, look at coal, how coal became partners with Clyde is that Clyde basically gave him his first genetics to start his first herd. Boom. Right. Right there. Now look at coal. I don't know. He's got two, three, four thousand. He's up and down, man. He, he ain't going to tell you, but he's got plenty, but it's all it based on Clyde's genetics. Do you think that Cole will finally be able to, now that he's got his processing center up and running, do you think that he's going to be able to stop being a banker and be a full-time rancher? You're damn right. I'm going to make him the most popular freaking Texas cowboy cattleman in the United States. And then he's See, not that going was, to have to worry about banking. He'll become his own bank because he's already got a couple. I don't know. He might have two Bitcoin by, by now freaking trading beef from Bitcoin. Because that was that was my that was the biggest eye opener that I had. Okay, it was the second biggest eye opener I had at the Beef Initiative Conference in Kerrville. 
because mm-hmm. I'm sitting down with this guy and I'm talking to him. And for some reason I had it in my head that he was running like a couple of hundred head of cattle. And he's like, Oh, Oh no, no. It's like <laughs> 2000 head dude. And I'm yeah. like, I go, but aren't you also a banker? And he goes, well, that's how I make my money. And I go, how you're not able to do ranching full time with something like 2000 head. He goes, I can't get kill dates. Yeah. And even the, I have been talking to you for months at this point. I was yeah. down there and I'd already had some discussions and it was still not clear in my head. And I think it's still not clear in a lot of people's heads that this guy can't be a rancher because he can't get enough product to push through the damn door so that mm-hmm. he can make his money. So he's got to go make money by being a banker as well. And mm-hmm. now that he has his own vertical integration, now it's possible. And and mm-hmm. so all these people that are like, because that's the joke about farming and ranching is that that's it's it's your hobby because it can't be your real job and i think and that's, that's one of the saddest that's a modern things day, yeah that's a modern day time thing okay everybody needs to put this into perspective because perspectives are very important these days and this is something that is we're hanging on a thread here folks whoever's listening to this and the reason we're hanging on a thread is that the ranchers of the past don't exist anymore um, because they've been driven out of business. And the ones that are hanging out right now, people like the Cole Boltons, Jason Ricks, the Justin Trammells, and everybody, the Scott Hawks of Sacred Arms, the Peter Allens, they're hanging on a thread because they're, and we'll get this right. Everybody, I'm going to repeat myself over and over again because everybody listening here are based, they are intentional, and they want to learn. The biggest problem in the United States of America with our food supply and our nutrition and for the empowerment of the American rancher and producer is that we have zero market access that we are allowed to basically steward with our producers and ranchers. They are controlled by the multinational corporations, which is, mm-hmm. of course, JBS, National, Tyson, and Cargill, Cargill. This, you know, whatever, you know, those guys. But one thing people need to understand it starts and it stops right there. That is the bottleneck to everybody. Everybody's saying, oh, monocropping, oh, chemicals, oh, no. Right now, the biggest problem we have in the United States, and they've basically, we've lost over 40% of our ranchers in ranch land in the last decade. That's from the mm-hmm. ranchers themselves telling me. Okay, the reason that's happening is because we are still accepting the validation. We are still validating the deception. The deception is that whenever you go down and you buy that meated, whatever United, whatever supermarket, and it says USDA Prime, it ain't USDA Prime. It's being provided to you by a multinational corporation that can bring in ship in beef from Brazil, from Australia, from Africa, and you are mm-hmm. consuming it. You are putting that into your consumption model. Your consumer demand is driving our ranchers out of business. And nobody Mm -hmm. wants to listen to their story because they're thinking they always have to have a boogeyman. Well, the boogeyman is basically us, the consumer, Yeah. because we refuse to change our habits. And that's not – once again, it's not a judgment. We're all guilty. But, you know, let's talk about all the beef here in Texas. Where does that beef Uh go? It doesn't stay here in the Texas panhandle. Where does it go? And we kill a lot of cattle here. It ships right overseas. It's gone. And we never even have market access to any of that beef that is actually raised in Texas. And that is controlled by the four multinational corporations that are driving our ranchers and basically acquiring asset reallocation, all of our ranch land in the United States. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So 
that brings me to the Whitman County Cattlemen's Association. Mm -hmm. Um, for anybody that's new to the podcast, I joined my local cattlemen's association. I got no hat. I got no cattle. I'm just, (laughs) just dude off the street. And I was having problems getting in touch with, I I didn't know who to call. It's not like there's a billboard on the sign that says, call your local rancher. Here's five telephone numbers. Because they're out in the middle of nowhere. They're not next to the 7-Eleven, so you're never going to see them. This is a problem. So I got frustrated, and I started making phone calls to people that might know who the cattle people were that I can go shake their hand. Mm-hmm. Turns out, I ended up calling the Washington Cattlemen's Association's head office, which is just kind of outside of uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I talked to this lovely lady and she's like, well, well, hell, there's a, a meeting. At, you're, you know, you're in Whitman County. Why don't you go to the Whitman County Cattle Association? I'm like, man, because I didn't know such a thing existed. You don't know what you don't know. And that's the most mm-hmm. dangerous information that's out there is because there's stuff that's out there. You don't know that you don't know it's out there. And that causes problems. So I go to this meeting and I, I've talked to you about this before, but I want to get, I want to get you to have a reaction to the same story for the listeners is that I'm talking, I'm sitting down and I'm worried about going into this room in the first damn place because I got no hat. I got no cattle. Turns out the Washington Cattlemen's Association has exactly the $45 membership for me. It's called an associate member. I get Mm -hmm. no vote, which I don't think I should have because I shouldn't be having a vote on what it is that I don't know about. And I, I don't know what it's like to go pick up a dead calf because it froze. That's not my experience, right. right? That's a sad thing, but that's part of that's part of that ranch life. So I don't I don't get a vote. I don't think I should have one. I walk in, I'm greeted warmly. I completely 180. I didn't get any weird stares or looks. I got to tell them my story, why I was there. And as the discussion progressed, it became very clear that these guys are under attack. I didn't mm-hmm. have I finally asked him the question, but I knew what the answer was going to be. I was like, look, I go, I don't know your experience up here with the public, but I can tell you what's going on in Texas. And the Texas ranchers that I know feel like they are under attack from the public and that nobody likes them. That's how they feel. And every head in that room nodded, every single one. They're like, that's what it is up here too. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me that... they were like, I wish that they, one, one of the guys said, I wish there was more people like you. Hey. Hey, you there? I'm back. Uh, okay, cool. Got, uh, got no video, but that's okay. Were you having some outages over there? <laughs> Probably so, man. <laughs> <laughs> These days no, and times, man, they come and go. I, I hear you, but I want to get back into that because yeah, that the point that I was making is that they feel like they're under attack, and I suddenly realized there's and I've talked to you about this. I've mm-hmm. there is no there doesn't seem to be a high quality or well thought out strategy for the public that do like what these guys do and want them to continue to tell them exactly that, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I know that we want to give the ranchers a platform, but if we don't start, if, 
it's not just about going out and shaking their hands and saying thanks or whatever. Right. It's about going out and telling them, I need you to continue to do what you do. And here's my biggest, my biggest fear. These ranchers are going to continue to do what they do until the day they die. That's mm -hmm. not the problem. The problem is their children are seeing their fathers and their mothers under attack from all sides. So the chances that they take that over in succession is almost, is almost not there. Right. If we don't change that one as well, I mean, th at this point, it's like, it's like, I've, I realized just how bad, how big this battle is. And so how, how do you feel about all that? Well, in, in, in whenever you called me and you kind of told me your story and how all that transpired and everything, you know, it was fantastic. It was great because you know, here we are, you know, proof of work, you know, you just went out there and did it. What we have to understand is that all of this is about relationship building. And I think a lot of people don't understand what true relationships are anymore in that sense, especially within communities. And everybody thinks that all these solutions that we we yearn for and that we want to have that platform to be able to, you know, to to solidify the protection of the American rancher producer, you know, the the generational wealth that we're losing right now is is something that is basically it's happening and it's going to transpire on a scale that people aren't very aware of. What we have to do is we have to we have to put it into perspective. You have to become, you have to create a, no, a, a whole new community in your lifestyle. You have to be willing to go out there. And one thing that we need to do, and this is everybody I talk to across the world right now, from Europe to Australia to United States to, you know, uh, South America, everybody keeps on asking me, you know, how do we scale this? How do we how do we fight the fight on on their terms? Well, what we have to do is we have to accept that we're not going to fight on their terms. And whenever you're trying to go out there and say that we need to have a, a big old centralized apparatus of a communication structure, well, that's where you lose because that's never going to happen. Because yeah. they've already spent hundreds of billions of dollars to be to start launching this global industrial food shift, which is, of course, climate change, carbon hazards, cows are bad, blah, 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 all that kind of mm. crap that we all know. If we try to fight on that on that level, then we lose before we even get started and we get very frustrated. What we have to do is somebody like David who goes from Texas to Eastern Washington and he puts his damn boots on the ground and he establishes some relationships. That's how yep. we win. This this didn't happen overnight. This is right. not instant gratification, folks. This is something that's going to take a generation. Hell, I'm not going to see the results of the beef initiative that I want to see in my lifetime. This mm -hmm. is a hundred year plan. That's what they're on. If we're not yep. fighting a hundred year plan, then we've already lost. And then once yeah. again, we have to get all of this into perspective, man. People have to quit thinking that they're empowered by sitting behind these devices and thinking that, you know, parroting the deceptions and, and and basically pointing out all the the evil and everything that's wrong. That does 
do nothing for anybody. Right. All we're doing is marketing and advertising for them because we're giving them sounding boards and then they can basically, they can censor, they can, they can algorithm us out of, you know, any type of uh, basically validity or value of uh, audience. There's so many things that we're up against. You have to go out there and become part of your community. If one individual goes out there and shakes one rancher's hand, look what happens. You have the beef initiative. Right. That's it. And I told yep. Tennessee, we got a headquarters in Tennessee. And every one of them over there is like, how many ranchers do we do? We need one rancher in Tennessee. That's it. Uh -huh. Let's start with yeah. one rancher. Let's give him 200 consumers that he uh -huh. cannot feed. Then he, you know what he does? He talks to his friends. He says, hey, I got uh -huh. these 200 Bitcoiners. I don't really know about you about Bitcoin, but damn, they love my beef. That's uh -huh. how every one of this starts. And if people are really serious about Bitcoin, if they're really serious about soil, really serious about making change, you're going to go find one person, one person, and you're going right. to go establish a relationship with that one person, and you're going to educate each other. And you're going to become friends. You're going to become partners. And then that transpires into the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. But if we if we keep on looking at this global, we have to understand the macro view of what's going on, of course, mm -hmm. for our research and our analysis. But we have to eliminate all of that thought whenever we're being intentional about change. Change mm -hmm. starts with that next step. That next step is where you stand. It's not over here in China. It's not over here across the world. It's not over here across the United States. It's exactly where you stand. You know, I mean, Canyon, Texas is nothing, man. It's not special. It's just a small Texas town. It's mm -hmm. kind of cute around the edges because it's the panhandle and it's in a little canyon, but it's not special. But look what can happen in a small Texas town you know, I'm going to Australia next. I'll be in Australia yeah. in late June, January. And then I'm going over to Thailand with uh, Captain Sid. We're going to go do some beef initiative in Thailand. He's finding all kinds of Bitcoiners over there that he didn't know. We're tying mm -hmm. food to Bitcoin, Bitcoin to food. And if we can, mm -hmm. if I can do this by going up and shaking Justin's hand there at the county square in Randall County of Canyon, Texas, mm -hmm. anybody can do the same. And you are proving it right now there in eastern Washington. Look what, yeah. how much you've already accomplished. And they wanted to hear from you. But what we have to do is we have to let them know that there's a ton of people out there that want to hear from them. And they want to basically develop relationships with them. And they want to be able to help them store their land, their legacy, and their heritage forward. That's it. If right. every individual will do that, we're winning. Right. Because this is, you know, this is akin to guerrilla warfare, which is, it is. A, a decentralized. It's a decentralized battle against a centralized force. And mm -hmm. gorillas have a, have the sneaky habit of always fucking winning. How yes. do I know that? So the the <laughs> American Revolution was yep. essentially guerrilla warfare because we didn't stand in a line and let the British mow us down in this acceptable gentleman's warfare model that they kept. And they got their asses handed to them. The Vietnamese, yep. we did not yep. win the Viet, the Vietnam War. We had to no. bug out because of guerrilla warfare. It's well, you look at you look at Civil War. You look at the Missouri bushwhackers. I mean, you mm -hmm. look at so many people in you know in in throughout history. How fun is guerrilla warfare? I mean, how how much of a blast, especially these days, being a Bitcoiner. I mean, isn't, uh -huh. aren't we all kind of guerrilla soldiers in a way? You know, yeah, with our information, with our money, with our communications. Well, the network. I mean, all you have to yeah. do is like if you model. The Bitcoin network, I have a node, it's 
right over there. I can, mm -hmm. I, I'm looking at it right now. It handles right. all of my boostograms. It handles all of the streaming of the Satoshis that come off the podcast. And I need to, after we're done, I, I don't know how to do splits, but I need to figure this one out because it wouldn't be fair not to give you a split of this. But my point is, is that I am a node. Mm -hmm. I'm a node on the network. I'm in Eastern Washington. The beef initiative is not here yet. It's mm -hmm. coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. You're damn right. Yeah. But it's it started with that. Me, it's for me. It started by getting frustrated, immediately knowing that I don't have market access to a directory of cattle people. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it wasn't until I, I, and then I, I mean, I've had to spend time on this shit. You know, I had to figure out. You know, maybe I could. Maybe there's a collection of cattlemen. And sure enough, there were. And then I had to get over the fear of going to another town, essentially yeah. at night, to sit in a room with a bunch of people that may look at me and laugh, especially if yeah. I bring up Bitcoin. I had to get over that one, too. And all of a I sudden, real, real quick, and I don't want to interrupt, but I think this is something that we need to really point out. And, then, and it's not... You know, this we all suffer from this, the division of interpersonal communication and the fear of going into a, a town and being transparent with you, you know, who you right. are, what you stand for. People got to quit worrying about that shit, man. That's that's low T bullshit. It's like I say, what you got to yep. do is you got to stand tall or not at all from here on out. If people are going to laugh at you, so be it. They're laughable. That's it. Right. That's it. And so yeah. it, you you having the the balls, the huevos to stand up there and saying, hey, this is who I am. I come with an open hand, a handshake. I come right. from and I want to I want you guys to edu educate me. I'm not a deception. I'm not trying right. to sell you anything. And that's where we get it wrong, left and right all over again with Bitcoin. Right. Quit selling it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Bitcoin's not they for sale. It's yeah, for, I need. I need their beef more than they need my Bitcoin right now. All right. Seems like we are recording. In, oh, intermission. Oh, we were, before you cut out, uh, yeah. we were at the uh, the issue of, um, I think we were talking about guerrilla warfare mm -hmm. and we more like, more like we are on the Bitcoin network and we act as nodes on that network. I think that's right. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what this is. We build nodes. You know, we've got we've got nodes and across Texas now. We've got nodes in Tennessee, Colorado. You're going to be a node up in Washington State. We've got. I mean, I'm I'm I have uh, some really important meetings with a lot of people out in California tomorrow. I knew they would be kind of <laughs> late, but they're coming. Um, we're going to have nodes in Australia. It's just that's what we do. We have to change the perspective perspective on how we do this. Uh -huh. Let's look at the Bitcoin ethos and let's look at Bitcoin ethos is how we should move forward with our consumption models and our market access to food. They should right. be the same thing. They're the same thing. See, we, and that's, you know, they, we talk all the time about you don't change Bitcoin, Bitcoin changes you. And I've mm -hmm. never been changed more in my life Me neither. than to do something that has low time preference. And I act as a complete individual, but in connection with a shit ton of other individuals. And we communicate all the time. It's like gossip with us. And that's, <laughs> right. it's, it's almost a direct reflection of how Bitcoin acts. And it's just, it's honestly, it's fucking cosmic. It's just weird. It is. So well, before, it, it, oh, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Before I'll, what? I'll, 
before something gets jicky with our connection again, uh, yeah. tell us, I, I need you to tell people what's coming up for, uh, sure. you're having something down in Canyon. You've got a couple of things going on. Tell everybody what's going on. And I'm, I'll do that, but I, I'm going to respond to what you said because it's the okay. most important thing that I think the Bitcoiners need to know. We're all in different levels of understanding. We all have our own perceptions. We all have our under, you know, we are using it in the in the ways that we all as individuals know how to use it. I try to tell everybody, find what's the most passionate thing about your life and go do it. Bitcoin will come along with you if you basically practice the ethos in what you are injecting yourself into. Mine was beef. I'm from freaking Texas. This is what how I grew up. I mean, it's what I know. You know. I've been separated it for a while, but what I did is I went out there and I injected myself into that system, that whatever you want to call it, that market access, that lack thereof. But what I did is I found the particle of truth of where I came from because of Bitcoin. And if everybody will stop trying to sell Bitcoin, it's not going to be sold. It's not a sales pitch. All you have to do is go out there. I've met in the last year some of the most base people in the, the communications I have every day would have ne never happened. And the more that I respect the Bitcoin ethos and I incorporate it into the Beef Initiative, the more quality people I meet in my life. Quit trying to sell it. It will come along with you. All you have to do yep. is go put intentionality into your lifestyle, the people that you meet, and it will always, the conversation ends up like that, especially with the rancher. That's why I say, you don't have to sell it. Just go out there and say, hey, let's educate each other. I want to form a relationship. I want to buy your product. I want to know why you do, blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that's the pitch I give to everybody. That is the protocol. And it's based on the Bitcoin ethos. It's We've got nodes across the world that are developing right now. Let's just go nurture them. Let's pay attention to them and, you know, move forward. Um, but as far as moving forward, the beef initiative, we're going to have the uh, Cattlemen's Kill It and Grill It in Luling, Texas, one hour, 45 minutes south of Austin. It's going to be a big old shindig celebration. You know, it's going to be Bitcoiners. It's going to be Cowboys. It's going to be whoever wants to be there. You saw Kerrville. It's like we're, we're orange billing ranchers and ranch billers or ranch billing Bitcoiners. Mm -hmm. And. And you know, this is where this is going. And so we're just going to go have fun in Luling. But uh, before that, I'll be in Charlotte. Uh, Liz and her brother Jacob have put, are putting on Halloween there in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we're going to have the Cattleman's Feast there that night. We're going to uh, have gourmet caveman there. We're going to have a big old uh, Argentinian, Brazilian, Texas-style gaucho type of cookout. And mm -hmm. so we're going to start doing that within the beef initiative and showing people all the different cuts and everything that we can do in the low cost that we provide coming from the producers themselves. It's not going to be an expensive night. It's, it's you know, and we're doing that at the Cattleman's Feast. It's all the beef you can eat, a ranch tour and a uh, processing tour. It's 49 bucks. That's it. That's all we're charging. It's not about making money, man. It's not, especially not about making fiat money, right? Right. And, and this is really exciting. December 7th, we're going to have a Bitcoin meetup, uh, micro beef initiative summit in Nashville at Bitcoin Park. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt O'Dell and Rod, uh, they're the founders of Bitcoin Park, where, uh, you know, the Tennessee Beef Initiative headquarters is going to be there at Bitcoin Park. But that'll be the micro summit, and we'll have another cattleman's feast there. We'll have a local producer that's cooking for everybody. We'll have gourmet caveman back there as well. But that Saturday, December 10th in Nashville, everybody, the U.S. Cattlemen's Association basically 
reached out to me and asked me to establish a panel of Bitcoiners and ranchers to speak on stage that uh, at their national convention that's being held in Nashville that this year. It's an annual convention. Everybody, uh, all the producers across the United States comes to this. And it, it is, it's a big, big ass convention. Well, we're going to get to represent basically regenerative farming and ranching and Bitcoin. So that's that's a hell of a lot that we've accomplished in one year. And it's, oh, yeah. once again, it's shaking one rancher's hand. And then uh, in January, January around 28th, I'm flying out to Australia where we've got a bunch of great Bitcoiners out there in Australia and they're putting on two summits uh, for the beef initiative. We're going to have Australian beef summits, uh-huh. beef uh, intelligence summits, food intelligence summits. We're going to, you know, it, it's going to be fun to see how this transpires, but we're uh, meeting every week now. We're in conversations and then I'm heading to Thailand. And then April of next year, we're going to have our first national United States uh, beef in, uh, initiative summit and it's going to be back in Nashville and it'll okay. be an annual April annual summit in Nashville. So right. everybody just go ahead and put, I'd say mid, mid, mid April, we're going to be back in Nashville. And okay. then beyond that, we're going to be back in the state of Texas sometime next year, but we're going to make it a little bit bigger to where everybody, we're going to try to make it international to where everybody right. can come. We're going to invite all the producers. We're going to invite all the Bitcoiners and it's going to be about beef and Bitcoin. And right. how that's in the new international lifestyle. It's a value for value exchange, peer to peer transaction. Let's see if we can onboard all the producers in the United States in one weekend. Uh, you got a micro summit coming on in Canyon, right? Well, we did. Yeah, I was talking to Justin on that. We had some logistical <laughs> issues. Oh, so, well, unfortunately, uh, yeah, we just found out yesterday. But it's okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're just rescheduling. We're still gonna have it. But I'll, I'll let everybody know when that is. And so. Okay. It'll be it'll be kind of a homecoming when we do have it. We'll get a, a little bit better venue. I had to kind of rush the venue when I was doing Georgia. That kind mm-hmm. of I'll, I'll take full ownership of it, but it's not a big deal. We're still having it. It's just I'm not for sure on the date, so I'll I'll release that when we get that. Okay, I'll make sure to spread that out. Um, yeah. I mentioned I mentioned the word cosmic, and I'm, mm-hmm. I I kind of want to get a little bit out there when it comes to to food, and I I got a theory. Sure. And I, I'm going to run the theory by you and I'm going to get your reaction to see if I'm just a complete mess upstairs or if, I, <laughs> if I'm onto something. We, we talked about the, the epidemic of obesity, the nutritional crap that, mm-hmm. that is being force fed to, to the people like, you know, like we were livestock. Yep. Ranchers feed their, their animals better than Americans are being fed out of United supermarkets right now. Let's just be honest. Okay. hundred percent. We've talked about all that, but I've been thinking a lot lately about when, what happened, how, how does the following play into all that? Cause I don't think that it's just that. I think that's probably 80%, but there's another, there's another thing that's going on and that's eating food that is produced in a place that you don't live. Now that's an economic problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's another side to the nutritional issue that's going on with that. If I'm an animal, which I am, I'm a mammal. That's mm-hmm. what I am. I, I, I can, I'm better than an animal, but let's just talk about, you know, the, the physiology of a human being that of an animal mm-hmm. I'm walking around and I, I'm eating stuff where I live. And 
I think that there's an issue that happens when you start eating stuff that is not from where you live. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think that is this food is chemistry. We are all mm -hmm. chemical. We are all chemical beings. Our digestion tract is just, it's a processing center for breaking down large macromolecules into smaller molecules that can be absorbed into our bloodstream and distributed out through the body. Right. That generally speaking, that comes from either a plant or an animal that feeds on plants. Right. Mm -hmm. Those plants produce two things. They produce whatever fruit of the vine or or the sugars in their grass, but they also produce pollen. And it's coming from the same genetics. The food that you eat has to reproduce itself. And that reproduction in plants is provided by pollen. How many people do you know have bad allergies? You know, but I was always having problems in Canyon with my internet connection. That may be what's going on. Well, it is small town and they don't really pay much attention to small towns anymore because they want to kill them. So you yeah, know they, definitely, they definitely want to kill them. So can you hear me pretty good right now? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. So let me jump back into that. Our digestive tract is processing food from a source and we inhale allergens from that same plant. And I think that if those don't, two things don't match, then you get massive allergy problems and all manner of autoimmune disorders. What do you think? No, I, I, I agree. You know, it's funny. I was uh, having a conversation with somebody yesterday that had moved out from California to central Texas and they were talking about their allergies. And I say, well, you're going to have to acclimate and the best thing you can do is find locally sourced food there in central Texas. And they were like, what? And I said, well, same thing that you brought up, the pollinization, the soil, everything you should be basically consuming where you stand. And Peter Allen with Macedon Farms brought that up yesterday. He goes, eat the earth where you live. And he goes, that's what we do. We eat the earth. And everybody's like, what? Because everybody's going to say, oh, I don't eat dirt. He's not talking about that. Eat where you stand. And if you can basically get that, you want to talk about being in tune with life, with nature, with the planet, with uh, empowerment, with uh, nutritional delivery that it helps you. And, and basically, whenever you do have these allergies that are so rampant, I mean, all kinds of different types of allergies, autoimmune deficiencies, everything that we have, it is based on uh, bringing all these other, I guess, substances and chemicals from far, far away. And the more that we get separated from our land, the more we're going to get separated from ourselves. And that's what people have a hard time understanding. Okay, so I'm going to, I, I got to pause it. You're really good with making taglines and I've been trying to think how it is, <laughs> how that works. And so I've come up with, I've come up with my own to get a, uh, see what you think, because maybe I can get some traction with it, but you know, how they say farm to fork. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to be, I think it needs to be more soil to your soul. I love it. Because it's like, if you're not understanding that everything that you are comes from the soil, not just your food. Everything comes from the soil, the clothes you wear, the, you know, the people that make shampoo. It's, it doesn't matter. It, it, the only thing that doesn't come from the soil is oil 
gas, coal, silver, gold, and you can't eat none of that shit. So anything right. that really matters, like wood products, fiber, like basically four things come from soil, food, fuel, fiber, and medicine. Okay. That's it. That's what comes. And that's everything that you have to have to live comes from the soil. You don't have to have gold. So if we could get people to start looking at their soil as an, as a critical infrastructure to their life, then I think some other necessary changes come along. So I just wanted to, like I said, I wanted to, to get a little bit out, go out into outer space. No, no, no. I mean, let me put it like this, you know, people get, think that everything's very daunting. It's too much. It's overwhelming and it's too confusing. And whenever you say something like soil to your soul, it's, it's the same thing from the soil to your soul. Well, what we have to do is what does that encapsulate? What does that mean? What is that container that you're talking about? What is that visual that you need to paint? And whenever you can say stuff and, and, and be able to explain it, it's like, like, like Peter did with me yesterday. He's like, you know, you need to eat the, eat the earth and where you stand. And that is so simplistic and you don't have to overly complicate it. If you can accept that's where we get our energy from is the soil in which we stand. That's going to feed our soul. That's going to feed our soul. And I love it. Soul to soul. And, so, um, so that's a good one. Um, so let, let's just round this out because your, your, our internet connection is probably going to blow apart again. And I'm already right, looking at, right, at a shit, at a shit ton of editing, but let's get back to the central theme. I think that we're talking about is how it's not just that it's important to go out and shake your rancher's hand. You should, people should start doing that as thinking it at thinking of it as a guerrilla warfare tactic that you're going to go make your allies and your allies are going to help you feed your soul. And to do that, it's more than a handshake. It's more than looking at them in the eye. You got to actually give a shit about what they do and try to learn it. So it's, I want to make sure that the, the people understand that we don't have a centralized marketing platform and we shouldn't have one, but because of mm -hmm. that, it's got to be all you guys. You have to do this. It's not It's not that we're asking you to do it. We're saying that if you don't, you're going to be in a world of hurt. It's going to suck. And it's because one of these days, the last rancher's son is going to tell that rancher, he ain't coming back to the ranch. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when that happens, all the soil that I said is just so important, it all fucking dies. And I don't 100%. think people really understand just how important that statement really is, because that's the truth. If you don't have ruminals on the land, pissing and pooping, that soil dies. It dies and dies with the, it, once that dies, the community dies. We've seen that all over the Texas panhandle. And one thing that people really need to understand, just because there's beef in your United supermarkets doesn't mean that basically that beef that beef is not from the United States. They want mm -hmm. nothing more than for Americans. And Bill Gates have said this, all Western countries will not eat beef anymore. And that's yeah, where people that need to really put the perspective into it. But this is just him. He's just a puppet, you know, and he's basically just saying what their plan is. Their plan is for the Western countries to not eat beef through regulatory capture, 
through pricing them out, making it caviar to no market access. And people will go along with that because they look in the aisles and they look down, and they see that styrofoam and plastic. And they're saying there's no issues here. But what's happening is you're eating South American beef from Brazil that basically the beef industry in South America was created by China. Okay. All the beef mm -hmm. that we're growing in the United States is going to China and we're eating the shit beef. That's basically commodity beef coming up through South America, Mexico, and into Texas. That's what people need to understand. And if you really think that you can be complacent anymore and that you can ignore these facts, then you're not going to actually basically steward your life or your family's life in the way that it should with our ancestors did. And those ranchers will not be around anymore. And it'll be something that they put on Disney saying, this is how we used to do it in America, but this is how we do it now. It's very futuristic and it's food science and this mm -hmm. is saving the planet. And that's, that's their plan. And the more that we consume that crap from the supermarkets, guess what, man, we're just, we're just, we're just being their allies. You know, we're not playing yep. guerrilla warfare and all you got to do is what you just spoke about is relationship building. Let's go out and build some relationships that you can cherish. I am best friends with every one of these ranchers now that I know. And in the ones that I work closely with, we're going to be lifelong family friends. Do you think I worry about all the crap that gets parroted out there on the internet these days? I'm not living in that level of stress or anxiety like most people are. I don't even have a yearning or desire to see all the deceptions out there anymore because we're too busy working, man. We're too busy yeah. innovating in times of mass prohibition. There should should be times of mass innovation. And then if, if, you, if you have to be willing to engineer your own suffering or that suffering will be engineered upon you by somebody else. But the thing about it is relationship building with a rancher producer, animal producer is not suffering. All it is is damn good relationship building building that's built on transparency, truth, trust, honesty, in which we live by as far as the Bitcoin ethos. So mm -hmm. that's where we have to stand up and basically, you know, like I said, stand tall or not at all, man. You know, look at yourself. Everybody has an accountability mirror. Let's let's all let's let's have an obligation to that and let's take action like you just did. You just relocated from Canyon, Texas to the eastern Washington border of Idaho. Yep. That's bold. And now you went out there and now you're on the Cattlemen's Association, local Cattlemen's Association. That's badass. Let's all do that. Let's all do it. I will be sitting at the table of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association in December. That was because I've developed relationships and that's what we need to do. Yeah. And that's a whole world that all of us can have an, that we all have access to this. We do. We've just we been so we've been so distracted. And yes. And, like it's not just us. My father was distracted, and now I know sure. his father had been distracted. And we all bought into the, oh my God, are you going to have enough money to retire on? Yeah. Instead of, how is your life right now? Yeah. Well, we it, see it, that playing out with retirements. We see it. my my parents are there, and they're 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 getting hit hard. They're not going to have anything. It's gone. They know it's gone. You know, yep. and they're going to be they're going to be poor. And now I remember the old conversations with my grandfather and how disgusted he was with everything. You know, he never monocropped. He never did anything. He, but, you know, he he at one time he was worth over a million dollars. But, you know, he he secured it as he could. But he lost the land because he got priced out of it with the debt economy, with the monocropping, with the chemical companies and the grain companies. 
And so yeah. this is the same thing that happened to him back in the, the mid to late 80s is happening now. And it's going to continue to happen as long as we buy into the deceptions. Right. Once we yeah. validate the deception, then we're just we're there, we're one of their soldiers. They're just looking at us going, hey, we got this dude. Look at this guy's algorithm. We got him. Okay. Next. Right. And breaking that algorithm is the last thing I want to talk about before I let you go. You mentioned small towns. That's the citadel. Mm -hmm. Not this, not this weird. We're going to go out. We're going to uh, buy a shit ton of land and we're all going to fucking co-own it. We're all going to raise. You don't have to do that. No. All, like, for instance, I'm like today or tomorrow, I will probably be driving to a place called Deary, Idaho. It's a small ass podunk town that's stuck in the crotch between, you know, two hills and where a line of mountains start coming up. And it's absolutely gorgeous. It's destitute. The people that live there don't have a lot of money. The property around the you could buy property for fairly cheap. That's your citadel. And yep. I, I I could see literally a half deserted town of fifteen hundred people expand in size by the addition of five hundred bitcoiners that move their families out there. And what would happen to that town? First, all those bitcoiners are going to be really really isolated from what they're escaping which if you're not if you haven't heard my show before get the fuck out of the cities yeah move to a small town or out rural country because those people are going to be your army those people are are going to just they're going to freak out because it's like all of a sudden they got people moving back into their town and i had a discussion at that first cattlemen's association just so happens the district the district cattlemen's association i can't remember what her title is but they have to be there at the at the all, all these cattlemen meetings or they don't have a quorum she sells real estate and she's like we're seeing that we're seeing that out here we're seeing people leaving the city and they're coming out into the country and i see a, a full-scale revolution happening right before my eyes and i'm 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 in the middle of it the only thing that i'm sad about i'm happy about being out here but i was i was in the in the thick of beef initiative and i was really close to austin and i was thinking about going down there and just hanging out at the bitcoin commons and now i'm 1800 miles away yeah and I'm, I'm i'm alone again and i'm like shit i gotta build it here i gotta yep. build the same thing here and i'm like if i had only discovered this when i was 20 I'd feel a lot better about it, but now it's like, there's just, there's a huge flame under my ass, dude. And I just, it, it's getting hot. <laughs> well, you just, yeah. I mean, I, everything you're doing is spot on and everything you just said is spot on. That's where the citadels are. That's where all these communities, you know, you look how they, they overtook, you know, certain communities with the city councils and, you know, all that kind of stuff and how they're really pushing their agendas. And uh -huh. you can go down that rabbit hole too, but that's all we have to do is we have to, Find your small little town like that and grow soil. Everything else will work out, and it does. Look at look at Will Will Harris the third with uh, White Oak Pastures in Bluffton, Georgia. Put your time frame in perspective and go do it. And everybody that's sitting there, you know, that's that's hating the city and think that there's not uh, options. There's a plethora. It's unlimited the amount of time, talent, and treasure out there that you can consolidate within this Bitcoin 
space and this Bitcoin ethos to where if you want to go take over a small town, go take over a small town. So that's it. I mean, that's that's the that's the war we're fighting. This is United States of America. We can do that. We're very transient. We're all yep. a bunch of gypsies. That's what our, our ancestors were. We got here, all have different stories. We don't have to ask for permission, people. This is our canvas. We're going to paint it like what we want it to be. And yeah. if everybody can, you know, buck up and put you, you know, you bootstrap yourself and get going, then your life gets a lot better and you meet a lot of fantastic people and you got to do it alone, man. I, I started the Beef Initiative all alone. You know, I'm more alone now, like personally every day than I've ever been in my life because I have to, you know, I have to steward this and I have to push this forward really hard. But it's okay because that's what's required right now. And it's going to, there's an end goal here. And, you know, once again, the first year was a massive success and you saw every bit of it. Yeah, I was, I was super proud and felt blessed and lucky as hell to be anywhere close to that ignition point of that nuclear bomb. That thing was out that that was a thing. That was a thing of beauty slim. I, I got to say, I still think about that a lot, just like how it just, absolutely exploded and i want to see more and more and more and we're going to we're going to i mean this is happening it's happening all over the country right now it's happening all over the world this is this is about to happen and and just for people that are listening me and david sat down in a coffee shop on a county square and we had this discussion saying well i think this is what we're going to do how are we going to do this and both of you said we sat down there and strategized for about two to three hours yeah. And what we did, it was we got, well, we're going to do this. What about lightning? Are we going to create a node? And we did have those conversations. We didn't know. We didn't have yeah. a clue. And yeah. what do you know? All of a sudden, here we are one year later, and you're in Washington. I'm still back here in Texas. But damn, are we moving forward strong, man? Are I you mean, if every Bitcoiner is not eating beef through the Beef Initiative or through their local producer, why not? Shame on you. Right. What's your excuse? Yeah. You you, you yeah. have proof of work. What else do you need? You have transparency. You have honesty, trust. You have, you know, goodwill. What else? What are the excuses? And so, you know, that's we're not a marketing campaign. The beef initiative right. is grass fed and it's grassroots. So let's move forward accordingly. Yeah, we got to unchain from our 401k. I, yeah. I think that that's this invisible prison that is I think the 401k is the biggest wall. Not saying go delete your 401k. I'm just saying that <laughs> What's I a see 401k? so many, <laughs> Yeah, I know shit, man. I I see so many people that are that that's their focus. Yeah, and I'm like you're not focusing on today. You're not focusing yeah. on what does your life look like right now? And they don't you Go yeah. put in the work and go find your local beef. It's hey, not going to take go, as go much look work. At, all right, go look at texasslime.substack.com. Read about um, pointing my compass north. That's so, uh, Bit Dern. His name is Aiden. He's a damn good Bitcoiner. He's a young man. He is, man, he's all over this. He went out and found Peter. Peter had a tenured run with the University of Wisconsin in Madison. That's all he had to do. He was set for life. He uh -huh. said he found soil. And look at his life now. Look what yep. he has accomplished. There's a three-part series you can read about him. It's fascinating. Go do it. Nobody, Go do you it, people. You don't have to ask for permission. That's yep. it. All right, Slim. Uh, I think we got the great guts and feathers of this. Uh, I think so we did. Go, we'll go ahead and hang it up. And I, I'll, uh, you know, appreciate your time, your talent. 
being on the show, you know, being there for me and, and being a really good friend, you know, you I, made bet, a really, I made one good friend down in Canyon and you're it, bro. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we didn't ask for permission, did we? We nope. just went out and did it. And we've Absolutely. had a lot of great, we had a great year. Uh, you're up in Washington. You know, I'm coming to Washington. I just don't know when, but I'll be there. Okay. And then uh, what we're going to do is you and I, of course, we're going to just keep on communicating and uh, yeah. we, we both get busy, but we always come back to each other. We always have these great conversations. So we're going to continue having these great conversations and congratulations on the move. I know it was a ball buster, but you're there. Yeah. Now it's time to get to work. You know that you're already proven it. So let's do this again. Let's do this about mid-November and we'll really have something that we can really shout out and you're going to make some progress. I'll do some more. Okay, man. We'll see you later. All right. Take care, David. Appreciate you, brother. And there it was, the interview with Texas Slim. Always enjoy talking to that guy. Uh, if you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. I use Fountain App. That's the app that I use. That's the app that I love. It replaced Overcast for me. And it did so not because it's coming with lots of, you know, lights and whistles and bells and buttons and shit to push. It's because it supports Podcasting 2.0. And that's the way you can stream me Satoshis while I stream you these dulcet tones. And if you want, you can do boostograms. Now, I, I, this is already an hour and a half. I'm going to save yesterday's show's boostograms for tomorrow's shows. And hopefully I'll have some boostograms about this show. I hope you really liked it. I hope it brought something to you. I hope that we were able to impart, this is more than just a couple of guys getting together talking about beef because this shit extends more than just about ranching. You should also like, let's say if you're a vegan and you're listening to the show and you just can't stand the thought of animals being killed and processed and eaten. I get it. I get it. You know what you can do? You can go shake your vegetable farmer's hand. If you can find them, I am blessed by living out in Eastern Washington right now because there's a shit ton of little organic farms and there's like a bunch of no-till farmers and I can go out to my, my local, uh, you know, food co-op. I, I, I paid them 10 bucks. I'm now an owner of the food co-op or part owner clearly. And I don't get to go swing my, my ball sack around telling people how they're going to act, but I wanted to support local food. And that was one of the ways that I did it. I went out and joined a food co-op. If you're uh, if you're not lucky enough to have one, and I consider myself very lucky that I do, that's where you'll find your local produce. And guess what? You can go talk to the produce manager, and they probably can tell you where to go find your local farmer. If you are just a vegetarian or a vegan, and that's it's just as important to let those guys know that what they're doing is something that you appreciate and you want to see more of because succession, and you heard it in the interview, is an important thing. And so many farm and ranch children are not coming back to farm or ranch because they're locked into the idea that they need to make as much money as they possibly can as quick as they can so that they can retire early at the age of 60 and do whatever. I'm not sure what that whatever is. All I, all I know... <clears throat> I've seen two men retire, my father and my uncle. My uncle stayed retired and basically turned into a black hole. Nothing. No, there was just nothing there at the end. My dad actually went back to work. He couldn't stand it. He just couldn't stand it. 
So don't get yourself all in a tizzy about something that may or may not happen when you retire because you could get hit by a gravel truck tomorrow. Who knows? It's today and tomorrow that is the most important in the way we live in those days. And one of the best things that you can do for yourself is to eat nutrient-dense food. And the best way to procure said food is to go shake your rancher's hand and also go shake your local farmer's hand. Go get that done. Be another note on the network. We're going to win. We are going to win. It's going to be a bloody ass fight, but we're going to win. We're going to smoke those motherfuckers is what we're going to do. This isn't going to end. Don't let it end with you, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.